Hello, do you like New Japan Pro Wrestling? Are you a Shin Nihon freak? If so, check out the Super Jcast with Joel and Damon on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. And even if you fucking hate New Japan Pro Wrestling, listen to the Super Jcast anyway. Not just for our great show reviews, analysis, and pastrami sandwiches, mm-hmm. but there's also usually some dick jokes somewhere in the obligatory opening 30 minutes of absolute nonsense we chat about every single week. That's the Super Jcast for all the best talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling, crisps, and pornography. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Welcome back to another episode of The Good, The Bad, and The Hungi with the first 30-plus minutes commercial-free, sponsored by Christian Cage. I am your host, Tyler Fornitz. With me, as always, is Fred Moreland. We are here on the Voice of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Fred, I know your world is cold and you're bundling up, but other than that, how are you? I'm doing all right. It's a little chilly in the fall now, so you got to keep yourself warm. Uh, Eddie Kingston doesn't just provide entertaining wrestling. It's uh, good life advice, too. Yeah, he's he's really smart. It's almost like he grew up in the cold. And yeah, I don't know. It's weird. Um, anyways, how are you? Good. Um, it's uh, it's been a long, long NFL season. The Vikings are one and four, and Justin Jefferson's now an injured reserve. Yeah, and my dogs are. Well, one is trying to hump, and one is trying to get away from being humped. <laughs> Other than that, we're doing pretty good over here. Um, let's start here, Fred. Um, let's start with the war last night and yeah, I thought one war is good and stuff. I, I think direct com- competition of wrestling is a yes. good, sorry, a wrestling war, not war yeah. in general. There, there's uh, nothing else going on in the news right now. <laughs> I got like tugging at my collar <laughs> and we'll, that will be oh, brought we'll up talk about that a little bit later too. Yeah. Yeah, and it, that that itself is an interesting dichotomy for multiple reasons, and we'll get to it. But I think Wrestling War is good because mm-hmm. it brings out the best, and it really shows what each company views as the best. And I thought AEW hit it out of the park. They, they really presented themselves as the alternative, whereas they haven't been doing so in recent weeks. And I thought this could be an interesting turning point in Tony Khan did talk about post CM Punk, how this was going to be a new era, especially with like wrestle dream and moving forward. We thought that might be the rated R era with Adam Copeland coming in, but this felt like AEW. This felt like the alternative that we had been begging for forever, where MJF called Jay white, a piece of shit. And there was 
the show start off with two great wrestling matches, Brian Danielson and, and Swerve Strickland. And then you had, I, I don't even remember who Adam Page wrestled last night, but he wrestled Jay really White. good. It Jay was White. Jay White. That was also very good. And you had the powerhouse Hobbs squash. Like, yeah. this is AEW. And yeah. yes, you still had another dumb Adam Cole pre-tape. But outside of that, I thought this was a really good episode of television. I thought they are starting to re-figure out what they are as far as what their roots. And overall, it's really hard to like be up be angry, annoyed, or upset about anything else other than that two minute pre-tape. Yeah. Um yeah, I went like <clears throat> excuse me, I thought this was like a seven out of ten show. And maybe without that pre-tape, it would have been an eight, but I thought it was just awful. Um and we'll get to that in time. Um, but yeah, I thought this was uh this was a pretty good episode of Dynamite, and I think especially, you know, I thought it was a really interesting dichotomy between what I read about what they did on NXT. I haven't had a chance to watch any of it yet, uh, and uh, what AEW did. Uh, AEW, of course, uh, well, we you know we'll cover it, but basically they did a uh, one of their not quite pay per view TV episodes. You know, they were like, it's going to be a big night, so we're doing a big show, and what their big shows consist of are matches. Primarily. Yeah, and there are a lot of matches that this definitely had that pay per view feel, except for mm-hmm. a few times where they took the foot off the gas and were like, "Here is a pre tape of uh, Tony Storm introducing what she's doing in picture in picture." Yeah, um, that, that was weird. They had two Tony Storm pre tapes in picture in picture. Mm-hmm. I thought that and, was very interesting. Yeah, I've, yeah, I, I, uh, I don't want to jump off the track just yet, but I do want to talk about those too, of course. Um, and, uh, you know, we had the uh, Adam Cole, uh, Roderick Strong Kingdom pre-tape to talk about, too. Uh, but other than that, this was just wrestling. This was just, like, professional wrestling. And this was not sports entertainment, you know, nonsense. And uh, I really like those parts of the show. Um, and uh, I thought that, uh, you know, we had the pre-show as well, which you did not get to see. Uh, Rich Creech over here. And, uh, you know, we had a a very, you know, Minoru Suzuki is in the United States match. And uh, that basically is there's going to be some chops. There's going to be some mean grandpa mugging. And then he's going to do the J-O-B. And uh, look, you know, it's enjoyable to a point. It wasn't a great match or anything, uh, but it was good. I liked it. Eddie, you know put himself into it like he always does and Suzuki did enough to be entertaining and you know it was like a three and three quarter star match to me um there there were some extremely loud chops especially early on uh they were very impressive in that but yeah as far as vibes um I'm getting off track now um <laughs> yeah sorry I just think about uh Minoru Suzuki and then uh it just goes blank um uh, I yeah, I thought AEW did a great job of establishing this is what our identity is, even if we've been doing a good bit more sports entertainment recently, and we are a wrestling company. And then across the way, you know, it's very funny. There was that uh, report that was leaked to um, it was Nick Houseman, I think, uh, by WWE. That was like, oh well, you're not going to be able to believe what our first half hour is going to be against their first half hour. And their first half hour is basically a Cody Rhodes promo <laughs> announcing a tournament uh, and uh, 
that he's not going to be in, like the NXT uh, Dusty Rose Cup. And uh, that was about it, uh, from what I recall reading about. And uh, unless I'm mistaken on that, again, I haven't really spent much time on the NXT show. It's like, Why would yeah. You? Well, you know. Um, it was like, yeah, uh, this you, you're right, just not in the way you meant. And I'm not going to tell you Cody Rhodes is a bad promo or anything. He's a pretty good promo. Uh, but I just can't imagine, like, given the choice between watching that Swerve Strickland Brian Danielson match, which was awesome, or Cody Rhodes doing, you know, one of these extremely <clears throat> style 25 minute monologues that doesn't really do anything other than, you know, announce stuff he's not involved in. Uh, I can't imagine, you know, personally to me, the choice is obvious. It's the great wrestling match. Um, but it's, you know, very WWE to uh, be like, no, the real draw is The Undertaker coming out and choke slamming one of our big stars. <laughs> it's like, uh, good old eight, uh, WWE booking, you know. Yeah, it's, uh, and I thought that uh, leaked comment to Nick Hausman was honestly telling because I'm like, it's going to be nothing like what AEW is giving you. Okay. That means they're giving us bullshit. And we knew that looking at the card on paper, that AEW is going to come out firing. And Brian Danielson has been a has been in quite a few TV opening matches. Mm-hmm. Like they're utilizing him to really keep people in that first quarter hour because they're you it's usually the highest viewed quarter hour of dynamite. Yeah. That first quarter hour. And having him versus Swerve. It was one, it was great. You had Adam Page helping Brian Danielson inadvertently, which is very interesting. Um, to help Danielson get the win over Swerve to with the with the crown, yeah. Um, and it was just a great wrestling match. And like that's that's where I like I'm starting to get hope in this company again because there's for weeks it was like, oh sports entertainment bullshit or MJF just being a doofus. Yeah. But then you get this. Yeah. This is AEW. This is what we want. Yeah. And- this is the stuff they do well. Here's the thing is AEW has had some competitive advantages over WWE. And one of them is that they just do wrestling stuff really well. They don't try to do all this sports entertainment. We're really a, a show about a wrestling show. Uh, you know, wrestling is bad, actually, kind of stuff. You know, it, it's it, it's been set up from the beginning to appeal to professional wrestling fans and just be like, this is what we are, and there's nothing wrong with that, and we're just going to be really damn good at it. And, uh, you know, look, there's a, pl- I, I, there's a place for humor in wrestling, trust me. Uh, Mick Foley was my one of my favorite growing up because he, um, he was funny, uh, in addition to everything else, he did great. Um, but, you know, I think one of the biggest problems with AEW right now is uh, they, uh, they're they trying to do humor without any jokes. Um, and it just doesn't work at all. You know, like, I'll, I'll point to the, um, I guess we'll discuss, I'll bring this up now, the uh, Tony Storm pre-tapes. I actually thought it was a genius idea to have her do a, uh, a silent movie gimmick during the picture-in-pictures. Because that's way more engaging to me than, you know, mostly, you know, rest hold wrestling in uh, the smaller of the two picture in pictures. 
Um, it's a good use of the real estate. It's a, it's a brilliant idea. I thought it was really a great idea. Uh, mm -hmm. Even though I'm kind of out on the Tony Storm thing because it's a little too much, you know. Uh, but then they just didn't have a plot for her, quote, silent movie. So at that point, it's like, well, this was just a, a wasted idea. Like, you had a great idea, then you didn't do anything to fill it out. It was just her vamping and doing, like, improv exercises. And... Uh, you know, it's that's a bit of a shame uh, because if they had actually done like a proper silent movie, I mean, God, if Brian Alvarez can go and screw around with the camera 15 years ago, Tony Storm can steal his gimmick and use AEW's budget to, you know, do something a little better. Um, yeah. Um, you know, it's kind of a, I thought that was a blown opportunity, but maybe there's something there. Maybe they can steer into it correctly, but you can't just have your gimmick be, uh, I'm a old timey movie star. I'm going to do a silent movie, and then the, the silent movie is you sitting in a chair pretending to drive a car. You know. Yeah, it. I thought it was really cool, and I think this whole timeless Tony Storm thing, like, it, it almost felt like a Charlie Chaplin movie last night. Mm -hmm. And for those of you who don't know, Charlie Chaplin was arguably the first movie star. Uh, he just an absolute legend when it comes to silent films. And like my mom introduced me to him when I was a little kid, but the idea was like, you have these silent films and one, like in the silent films, you, like all you have is some background music. So if you have Tony storm next to commercials, it's fine because you're still getting the point across. You do, the music isn't necessarily needed, but it's a nice additive. So, yeah. The whole idea of timeless is I think what this character is going to be is she's going to work her way through time. And she's she kind of started with the Marilyn Monroe thing. But I wonder if she's going to start going from like 20s. And like when you looked at her attire last night, it was almost like a more risque version of like a flapper. Like that's that's kind of what it looked like to me. If that I don't know if that makes any sense, but it does in my head. And I think she's going to start to progress and progress and progress. and we're going to eventually see a modern day Tony storm. I don't know, over the course of like a year, maybe, but I think that's, that's the idea of what this timeless character is going mm. to end up being. Interesting. Cause I hadn't considered that at all. I just assumed, uh, timeless was being used as like, you know, that's an adjective people toss around about old movies is mm -hmm. it's a timeless film. Um, so that would be interesting if that's what, you know, you're going, if they, that's what they go for, I should say. I could um, be completely wrong, let's be honest here. But yeah. when when they started off with the Marilyn Monroe thing and then they started doing silent films, that's that's where my brain went to. I'm wondering if this is a chronological timeless gimmick and not just one spe one specific thing. I will say that her uh her gimmick is less Marilyn Monroe and more um oh the actress from Sunset Boulevard. Um that's hundred percent what she's channeling though. Audrey, um, it's not Audrey Hepburn, is it? No, 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 no. It's um, it's more the character, but uh, darn, 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 I'm looking it up because it's going to bother me. Um, Gloria Swanson, as okay. Norman Desmond. Um, great film, by the way. Like, absolutely one of my all-time favorites. Uh, might be my favorite, actually. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I, the silent film idea definitely interesting. I just wish they had done something with it. Um, 
like with ideas, but mm -hmm. at least it would have been doing something. And even if it, they were bad ideas, it would have been, you know, worth, you know, of, of note. Um, uh, but let's start at the top. Um, you know, uh, just the pre-show, uh, again, you didn't get to catch that, but you know, it was fun. Uh, it was a good atmosphere. Uh, everyone felt like they were having fun. Uh, they, it was kind of the return of the AEW dark, uh, Excalibur and Taz uh, commentary, you know, vibes. Um, after after Eddie Kingston won the match, uh, and he's going to the back. He goes over to commentary, steals Excalibur's uh, headset, tells everyone that don't be idiots to watch Dynamite tonight. Sticks it back on Excalibur's head, hugs Taz, who looks like he wants to die. Uh, goes to walk off. Taz yells at him for not giving him the fist bump he requested. <laughs> Kingston comes back, gives him the fist bump. We throw to the ramp where Renee and RJ City are doing their shtick, and Eddie Kingston just lumbers down the ramp, ramp towards them, and uh, flips off RJ City, uh, hugs Renee, flips off RJ City again, and then walks to the back. <laughs> Eddie Kingston is fantastic, just absolutely the best. I love Eddie Kingston, and he is basically living out every wrestling fantasy he's ever had oh yeah and good for him yeah man it's a blast uh he's uh and he's had himself a good year uh he disappeared for a little bit there but you know he's the ring of honor world champion now he had a very good few with claudio uh he had a good run in the g1 a lot of jokes about how he's going to get hurt from people but you know he stayed healthy and he did a damn good effort um Cried after winning the New Japan Open Weight uh, Strong Championship, um, making that title feel the most important it's ever been. Uh, Eddie Kingston rules, man. Um, I, he's just he's just so good. Um, it's the authenticity. That's that's a one hundred percent what it is with Eddie Kingston. It's he's fine in the ring, fine to really good. Yeah, he's, he can be really good. You know, he, he look he's he's middle-aged and fat but god bless them you know so am i and i can't throw a back fist so i can it's just not gonna be nearly as good as eddie kingston so i would probably hurt good. my hip knowing me um <laughs> i i was i don't even remember what we were doing i think we were we were walking and i think i tweaked my calf and it's just felt wonky for like three weeks i'm like what the hell i uh, sucks I hurt my ribs by coughing in the past week. <laughs> Eclair is disappointed in you. I'm disappointed in me. <laughs> All right, let's continue on here with the news as my dogs um, are going to make weird noises in the background because they're playing on the couch next to me. Um, Meltzer on Wrestling Observer Radio says WWE is not going to be signing CM Punk as of right now, and that comes as a direct contradiction to the report from Nick Hausman, who we know um, has... Uh, P, he is PR Punk. He gets a lot of his information from CM Punk. Said that a source within WWE said that it was going to happen. I would take this as a sign that it's probably not going to happen right now, but it could happen eventually. Um, obviously, everybody's pointing at Survivor Series in Chicago on, um, I believe it's November 17th. Like, that makes sense. Uh, but I think that also might be a pipe dream at this point. But Never say never with WWE and any professional wrestler because they've mended far worse bridges than this one. Yeah, but they have said uh, no to him three times, as uh, Trevor uh, Dame has tweeted. Um, he, um, 
basically it was uh, back when he was working for Fox and Fox wanted him to go back to WWE and shot it down uh, back uh, towards the tail end of last year when Punk thought he was going to get uh, bought out and uh, try to go to WWE and they said no and uh, and then this instant um, yeah and uh, you know what if WWE business goes down well maybe they'll go for Punk who's to say uh, but I mm-hmm. you know I don't think there's very much motivation there to uh, for them to uh, go and reach out to CM Punk uh it's just you know he might add a little bit but they're already doing well so it's not like they need him badly see we have a uh a little tiff here between the uh the dogs the hungry dogs are having some fun and fred gets a, a nice front row view to Odie and eclair playing with each other right next to me and the microphone which is always fun um let's continue on with some news then i think we really need to talk about the show uh, injuries we have a, a few of them and let's yeah. let's start with the oldest one and that is kyle o'reilly he's been out for the better part of a year with a neck injury it was revealed i believe it was by o'reilly earlier this week that he was unable to move his right arm after his surgery due to a rare complication but he underwent therapy to be able to move it again and i don't know if he'll ever be able to return to wrestling but it sounds like he's getting closer to being fully healthy yeah. And God bless that. Yeah, he's been out 16 months. Um uh, I don't know what the timetable is. There is a kind of an error to that post he made on Instagram, which is what this information is from that was like I'm I'm coming back soon. Um you know, obviously nothing's been announced. It'll be kind of a surprise for him uh to return and uh, I guess we'll see, but uh, you know, I just hope he's healthy. You know, that's the biggest thing. And uh, fortunately, you know, neck surgeries and the like has improved a lot over the past few years, but they're still risky. And he, uh, you know, he unfortunately had a complication from it. And you, know, you hate to see it. Uh, glad that he is recovering from it, though. And uh, some therapy was able to help him out. And, uh, you know, hopefully he keeps getting better. Yeah. Um, all the best to Kyle. And, as far as the professional wrestler, Kyle O'Reilly, God, I hope we get him back soon. He rules so much. Um, but mo- most importantly, we hope the human is okay. Yeah, man. And it definitely. seems like the human is okay, which is great news. Um, some more minor injuries in comparison. Um, at WrestleDream, Sammy Guevara suffered a concussion. Uh, he did not appear on Dynamite this week or last week. Um, and hopefully he gets better here soon. Yeah. Luchasaurus possibly broke his finger on collision and cash Wheeler has a possible broken rib, which along with his uh, trial that's going to be happening in Florida here soon could have been the reason why FTR dropped the tag titles to big bill. <laughs> big <laughs> bill is a world tag team champion. It's not yes, Brian is. Cage. I can uh, live with it. Not being with Brian cage, but big bill is a world tag. Yeah, team champion. That's right. This is this is a big bill podcast, and uh, we're we're happy for him, man. It's great to see them. You know, his life's really improved over the past five years. He's got himself clean, and uh, he's performing at a high level now. And uh, good for him, man. You know, it's great. Uh, one injury I did forget, uh, and kind of shockingly, since it literally changed the card last night. But uh, John Moxley is still not cleared after his concussion. Um, you know, it's it's a positive sign he was able to do commentary for Wrestle Dream and uh, make all those donations to uh, 
charities, and I, I can only assume that he personally funded the purchase of those toys that uh, AW is donating uh, to Toys for Tots. That was their big pre-show announcement was that they're donating, like I think, 50000 AEW toys mm-hmm. to Toys for Tots. And I can so only assume let's, every let's single dollar, every single dollar came from Joe Moxley, I have to assume. If they're donating 50,000 toys, if each toy is a $20 toy, that's a million dollars. Yeah. That one, it rules that it's going to Toys for Tots, one of the best charities in America, because all they do is collect toys and give them to children so they can be happy on Christmas. Yeah. Is there a better type of charity than to make children happy? I will say, I, I believe it was watching the baseball game and Dennis Quaid got involved in this charity where they pay off mortgages to um the for the families of like fallen police officers and stuff oh, that's and good like, god what a sweet charity like there's I, uh there's some charities i'll oh, go ahead i'm sorry once i'm in a better final financial position they have they do like monthly gimmicks where it's like a subscription like you know you would do for like a streaming service i'm gonna donate to that because that's that's a charity i can get behind yeah there's a i've also seen other ones that i really like that uh that will purchase uh, medical debt because it gets sold off to private groups for like pennies on the dollar and they'll just forgive it. And uh, so instead of having this, you know, sort of Damocles hanging over your head for your entire life because you got sick and had to have, you know, mm-hmm. expensive treatment, these groups will buy that debt and just write it mm-hmm. off. And I think that's really awesome. But Hey, yeah, if they uh, want to buy like one of my credit cards, which is how I paid for my medical debt, I would appreciate that. <laughs> I understand that. I understand that. Uh, yeah, but yeah, it's a that was a fantastic move. And uh, but yeah, John Moxley hopefully back soon. Um, just remember, no concussion really is minor. Even if uh, Mox was able to get back on the mic in uh, a week or two, you know, there's still uh, got to take care of himself. Got to avoid. Sidney Crosby missed the better part of 18 months with a concussion. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Brian Danielson's had a bunch, and it shouldn't be a surprise at this point that concussions are bad. Um, uh, on that note, I was listening to a shutdown full cast episode, uh, last week where they talked about how I, I got to talk about this with you specifically, Tyler. Uh, I, I, I just got to say, I love those psychopaths. And I mean that in the most endearing oh, no, way. It's a crazy ass show and it's fantastic. <laughs> uh, but they did a whole like 20 minute bit, uh, about, or just really a discussion about how like ESPN used to send out the, there's like most violent hit tapes. <laughs> And those are just basically like evidence in a trial now. <laughs> you know? uh, what I remember, they used to do a segment on, I think it was um, ESPN got, got Monday jacked night, up. Monday Night Countdown. You got jacked up. Yeah, they made like a whole catchphrase and everything. And like, it's like, look at this guy's body, uh, brain being liquefied. <laughs> Hit the catchphrase. And it's- like, it's truly it's, astounding. That was uh, like 15 years ago. I know, right? And like, it's not like it was a a mystery that concussions were bad. <laughs> I'm laughing, but like, it's not funny, but it, it's so not funny. It's funny. It's a morbid kind of laugh because yeah. all you could do is laugh because you don't know how to react otherwise. Yeah. What a, oh my God. Uh, anyways, I I just you know we talked about the concussion and I remembered that so I had to get that shit in um, and then I guess the last news story is you know we talked about it a little before but it sounds very definitive that Mariah May is coming into AEW and it sounds like she's going to be associated with Tony Storm. I don't know how that's going to work. Have you I, seen I, the movie All About Eve? Ooh, I can't say I have. 
All right, well, one, go watch the movie All About Eve. It's an all-time classic. It's from 1950. Uh, it's basically about a uh, an actress who has an obsessed fan who maneuvers herself into the actress's life such to replace her. Um, and uh, look, if we're doing this classic movie gimmick, you know, you got to use this storyline. I mean, it's it's right there. It's it's the it would actually translate to wrestling pretty well, and uh, it's a late breaking news: hot blonde replaces hot blonde. Yeah, <laughs> it's Hollywood, baby. Uh, I'm excited yeah. for Mariah May because uh, she kind of came out of nowhere. Stardom brought her in, and within six months, she was a, a big star. Yeah, and. I I don't think she's anywhere close to a finished product. I don't know if we can trust AEW to truly develop her per se, but I do like the idea of bringing in a talent like May who has a really high ceiling and she's got the look. She's like, she's uh, how can I phrase this without being disrespectful? She look, she's got the, the look of like Charlotte flair, 2014. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Like she's tall athletic build she's attractive and she's an athlete like those are all massive positives to being a great pro wrestler yeah and if you can work well in stardom and get over there where it that is a work rate promotion Mm -hmm. yeah that that speaks volumes about what you can be as a talent and AEW getting her is great but they haven't exactly exuded the best track record of developing. So I'm very curious how that's going to work out for Mariah, especially in the women's division. I mean, Soraya just finished her token title reign. I hope it's a token title reign. We never see her with the belt again, but it's not exactly the strongest group. There are strong individuals in that group, but as a collective whole, if you were to talk about the women's division and give it a grade from one to 10, you're probably not going higher than a six. And I think that might be generous at times because of just where the division currently sits. And it's not like they're not trying. It's not like they haven't tried. It's just one of those things. Sometimes there just aren't enough quality women to go around. Um, And the choice that AEW's made to bring in what they believe were quality women haven't worked out the way that they had hoped. So I hope that things go great for Mariah May because I think she's stupid young. Isn't she only like 24, 25? Yeah, I, I believe she is about that age. Yeah, like theoretically, this could work out great, but I'm going to be skeptical until they prove me wrong. Yeah, hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully it uh, works out. You know, I have actually not watched any of her in stardom because that is yet another promotion I'm way behind on. Um but uh, that's what happens when you try to follow everything. Um, but yeah, I mean, everything I've heard about her has been very positive and, uh, and hard to not, you know, be excited about what's coming. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. Let's talk about this show, Fred. And I want to say that, and this may be a slight hyperbole. Christian Cage is the second best wrestler in the world today. The only one better. <laughs> without a a shadow of a doubt is Will Ospreay. And that may sound absolutely absurd and obtuse. I don't care. How great was Christian on this show? He was, I mean, from the opening promo uh, where he took credit for 
for the commercial free uh aspect of the show which was a nice touch uh to uh the promo on edge before his match i'm sorry adam copeland um i'm going to at least it's not just uh, me it's aw commentary that is also struggling with that I will say that it's going to really annoy me if they start calling other people superstars because they used superstar a couple times during that match. Yeah. Just as like a general connotation. I'm like, no, they're wrestlers. I, I get the radar superstar gimmick and I understand why like Adam Copeland is doing it, but yeah. it's going to really annoy me if they start using that connotation moving forward. Can't disagree. Uh, I don't think they will. I mean, uh, I think specifically because WWE has a trademark on it. Uh, so I think they probably have to legally be careful about that, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so that could save them from that uh, WWE-ism. Uh, but man, this Danielson-Strickland match. Uh, wow, it was awesome. Listen, I- I'm going to be 100% real here. I get why Swerve lost. I hated that he lost. Um, this company just does not want people to lose outside of a roll-up. Did uh, uh, We've talked about this before. Like, Danielson won via roll-up. No, um, he won by Busaki V on this. Oh, he did? Yeah. There was a I, roll-up right before that for two that looked like a... I'm Nelson Man- or Mandela affecting myself, I think. Um, but it, there's too often where... Uh, people are winning with roll-ups. Like Orange Cassie won with his little seatbelt. It was not seatbelt clutch. I don't know know what he calls his little roll-up gimmick. Uh, the um, mousetrap? Mousetrap, yes. And then... Um, yeah, seatbelt is you. Jay White won with a roll-up. It's just like... Look, I get you're trying to protect your guys, but you have at least two or three matches on every single show ending in a roll-up. Not it's to okay. uh, correct okay you again. Assessing. Orange Cassidy won with the orange punch and then a roll up. Um, yeah, but so, he, he did know. the mouse trap. That like yeah. that's the finish. And I, well, I understand he does the orange punch, but he the finish is the mouse trap. The mouse it's, trap it's, is like a secondary finish to him, and he did it right after his main finish. So I, I don't think that one's that one's different, I think, than the Jay White one. But I do agree with you in general. You know what? You're you're ruining my joy here, Fred. You're just That's what ruining. I do. Why why are you making this sound like a bad thing now? It, it is a bad thing. It is a bad yeah. thing. Um, Eclair is upset with you. She is just looking down on the floor in disgust. I don't blame her. Um, look, y'all listened to Dave Meltzer for years. You think I'm not going to pick up some habits? <laughs> Fair. On, no. um, but yeah, this match ruled. Uh, it was fantastic that the Brian Danielson roll-up out of the JML driver, by the way, was a thing of beauty. Um and they worked in the Adam Page storyline nicely with uh, him breaking up the attempt to, you know, uh, hit Danielson with the Nana crown. And, um, yeah, listen, Swerve just feels like a – he feels like a star now. And I, I this is my victory lap. You know, he uh, – last, last year, at the end of last year, I started screaming about how he needed to be pushed as a superstar in this company. How he could have been a world champ by the end of this year. And it took him six more months than I thought to like finally start that. But it's going to happen at some point in the future. And he rules. He is fantastic. And um, 
you know, it's it's great to see. Uh, it's great to see him have success. Great, great to see him as a main eventer. I think he could, you know, it's, it's a question of just how big he's going to get, but he's got all the tools, and he's just so talented. And uh, Just look at him walking down. Oh, in he's that, got all that confidence, too, man. It's like, it was like a trench coat almost mm-hmm. but it was like a super professional looking one like it almost like yeah. had decoat vibes and then you have nana doing his this dance and swerve just looks over at him and then just has the most he looked like the most confident man in the world walking down in that ring yeah he's and feeling himself right now <laughs> i love that i love his moveset too because it's it fits him really well and it's just unique enough where it's not like absurd but it's got like little nuances that that really fit him well like like those little kicks he does that like the jump up kick to the side of the head yeah the, that might be my favorite crush, move in professional wrestling mark kick but the uh what do they call that um it's not a rewind kick either technically it's uh no i don't know what they call it but it, it's almost like he he pushes off and mm-hmm. then he just whips him in the side of the face with the bottom of his foot and i love it i yeah, think he, that, that move just rocks oh they call it the house call they, they gave it a name um which uh, I think works for him. Should call it the Roadhouse call and get a little Patrick Swayze <laughs> reference in there. Oh boy! Um, but yeah, yeah we're I off mean, the rails. The the side slam on the apron uh, by Swerve very early in this match. That was a, another spot that I uh, I loved. And then there was that really weird uh, spot he did in the corner with Danielson, where it was like a it inverted power bomb, I guess where he, uh, Danielson flipped the wrong way. And uh, that was awesome. Um, but Swerve is a superstar. And I mean, Danielson is still like just among the very best in wrestling. So, Love me some Brian Danielson. Um, we I'm so been... glad we, we got him out of WWE. I, I liked him well enough in WWE, but this is... This is what he can do. And it rules. He was, a, he was like a shadow of himself in WWE. This... Yeah is Brian Danielson. And yeah. gosh, uh, well, outside of the, uh, yeah, he broke his arm, but really outside of that, he's been, he's been healthy. And we've yeah. been very lucky that he's had such a long stretch. Uh, well, I guess he did have, what did he have a concussion that kept him out of blood and guts? Yeah, I think so. Um, I okay. Think so, so he hasn't been completely healthy, but it feels a lot healthier than his WWE run. So yeah. And, and, that and, you know, and when he's healthy, he's still performing at a super high level. So I'm going to be very sad when he does uh, stop doing this full time next year. Um, we'll still get him around, I think, some. And I, I hope and pray to God. But he is, God, he's just, so, he's a natural, you know. And uh, hell, Swear is natural too. So this is fun. Yeah. Got, got to talk about Samoa Joe. Oh, my God. I Samoa love Joe, Joe is the coolest guy on the planet right now. Oh, Samoa Joe is the best. He's so good. He's such a good uh, professional wrestler. Um, he needs to win this title. I would not complain. And, uh, you know, that's knowing what MJF can do if he cuts the bullshit. And we'll have a big, long discussion about that when we get to that in the show. But but Samoa Joe, just like, I look, I know he ain't what he was once. You know, he, he's, but he's still really damn good. He's still 
just looks and carries himself like a superstar. We talk about confidence just with Forrest Strickland and how he uh, carries himself. Um, and uh, boy, Samoa Joe is just so confident at being a professional wrestler. He is a professional wrestler in every way, shape, or form. The most professional. The most professional of all the wrestlers. Um, That'd be a good gimmick, someone declaring themselves the most professional professional wrestler. Um, If only Chikara was around, and if only I... I don't know. (laughs) In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, "Ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like You know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever, but if you're really in this game to, to find value and find particular cards... It sucks to have to buy these mystery packs, and it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling. And you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying... Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net, arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. What's going on, guys? This is Rich from the Flagship Podcast here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast network if i could have a moment of your time i'd like to tell you about one of our sponsors eufy video lock eufy video lock is a smart lock a 2k camera and a doorbell all three in one offering you triple security so you can have everything in one device rather than installing many pieces on your front door but it's not just for security 
The Eufy Video Lock is also for convenience. No more concerns about losing keys, and you can assign passwords to your family members and see them coming back home via the integrated cameras. Some other great features we love about the Eufy Video Lock is it is easy to install and set up with just a Phillips screwdriver, no drilling required. Keyless entry, no more fumbling for keys when your hands are full. You never have to worry about kids losing keys or passing among renters. You also have 0.3 second, 0.3 second fingerprint recognition and one second unlocking. Again, 0.3 seconds, it's going to recognize your fingerprints and in one second it's going to unlock. And with the AI self-learning chip embedded, the more you use it, the more accurate it will be. Also, no battery anxiety. You have a rechargeable battery in there that could last around four months and you will get a low battery notification before it runs out. Uh, passcode unlocking and remote control with the 2K clear sight. See who's at your door and control from anywhere through the Eufy app. With enhanced night vision, you can have optimized view even in the evening. You can also secure your package delivery by view and two-way audio. And then best of all, no monthly fee. A bunch of other brands out there are going to charge you a monthly fee. You have your recordings locally and you never have to pay for storage. Customer service, Eufy's got you handled as well. They are on standby for you 24-7 so you can enjoy a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty, all backed by their professional customer service team. Contact them anytime by telephone, email, or live chat. Personally, as a homeowner, I love my Eufy video lock. I have the ability to see what's going on when I'm not home, when packages have has arrived, and, and really the thing I love the most about it, the ease of being able to lock and unlock my doors without having to fumble with my keys and reach in my pocket or wait, no, crap, they're in my backpack, all that sort of stuff. All this is happening while my dogs are barking at me. You know what? Not anymore with the Eufy video lock. I touch it. 0.3 second fingerprint recognition, one second doors unlocked much much easier so if you want to jump on board with eufy video lock search eufy video lock that is e u f y video lock again that's eufy video lock e u f y video lock or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Um, all right. Next up, we had Chris Jericho and Powerhouse Hobbs, and it was squash time, baby. This was great. Um, Powerhouse Hobbs losing the singlet and just having trunks, I yeah. think, is a great look for him because he's got such a broad chest and the, the well built upper body. Look, he's a powerhouse, show it off. And I think that, that shot they do of him coming out from behind of the entrance wrap. Um, the the TNA style shot. God, his uh, back is just huge. brilliant. He looks like the biggest person in the world <laughs> with that shot, and he just killed Chris Jericho. Um, you know, this was a good like Jericho completely overmatch match. Um, you know, he had his little fire up, hit the code breaker for a two count, and uh, got the walls of Jericho for a bit. But it was just like it was just a snuff film for quite a while. Uh, Hobbs just spine bustered him three times in a row early on and nearly got like a Wardlow speed win. 
and then uh, a couple world strongest slams at the end and uh, finished it off. Um, I don't like the world strongest slam. I think it looks weak. I don't think it looks yeah. like a powerful move. He needs to move before it. He can't just scoop him and slam him. I think. Yeah. I think what would be a fantastic finisher for him would it would be the Oklahoma Stampede. Ooh, yes. Uh, just herk the guy up over your shoulder, do the Steve Williams, you know, ha- run across the ring, and then just kill him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would be fantastic, and uh, it fit right into his move set. I mean, honestly, if he just had the spine buster as his finisher, no complaints because that, that looks awesome too. That's that's a fantastic spine buster he does. Um, but yeah, the, the world's strongest slam needs to be a little more dynamic, and I think even if he just kind of just ran with it a little bit first, or you know, did some moves or something, you know, like walked with him some first. Uh, not asking for like a fucking moon salt you know or something here uh it would be perfect but yeah this was awesome and then he hit another strongest slam on the way out and just killed him um powerhouse hoppers he rules yeah and i think one of the biggest things about it looking dangerous and looking brutal is it doesn't have to be mm-hmm. like yeah it the whole idea of professional wrestling is to spend, suspend your disbelief and believe that this is hurting the other person. Yeah. Like stuff like tombstone pile drivers have done right. Doesn't really hurt the other person. Oh no. Like that's the thing. And if you do it right, it looks brutal and mm-hmm. it doesn't hurt anybody. Exactly. And that's what we're asking uh powerhouse Hobbs for. Like yeah. just don't do the old, um, hardcore holly alabama slam like that's a really dangerous move and i hate it whenever people pull it out because it's just so much torque on it and it's really hard to protect your head with it um and can lead to concussions pretty easily uh just just do a sick ass spine buster and i'm happy man oh dude the arn anderson spine buster is one of my favorite moves just because it's yeah it was like, so clean and so, such a snap oh yeah um and i think I, hobbs does a really awesome one too like on the same tier yeah. So. Um, then you have Batista spine buster where he just picks you up and like almost like spears you into the into the mat. That's another good. That's a good oh. variation on it. Yeah. Great this stuff. Is a, this is a spine buster appreciating podcast. Dang right. Um, one thing. Oh, you know who else is good spine buster? El Desperado. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. El Desperado. Um, um, I want to ask you about something because sure. um, spine busters. I got in a uh, a discussion on Twitter with uh, Fightful Sean Ross Sapp where okay. people were complaining about a crash pad for that Seth Rollins spot in the last man standing match. And I just said, it, like, if you're going to use a crash pad, either like hide it well enough so nobody knows you're using a crash pad or don't use it because you can't suspend your disbelief. And he got real salty with me. And I'm just like, just don't do it. Like, that's not pro wrestling. Come on. Yeah. Um, what is your take on that? Yeah, I I agree. You know, if the spot can't look good, then don't do the spot. Now, um, I think that... Um, I'm not asking wrestlers to not be safe. Right, exactly. No, 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 no. I'm not asking for Seth to take whatever spot that was. I didn't actually see it, so I can't comment on the specific spot. Uh, but I, I'm not asking him to... Uh, to take that, you know, raw and just like kill himself, you know, that's mm-hmm. not good. Nobody, you know, we shouldn't want that. Um, but you know, the, uh, 
if the alternative is like you've got to shoot it so that it looks really soft by the end, then you're just undercutting yourself. You're you're you know you're just kind of ruining the spot by you know before it's even launched because of your bad production. And I think there was some discussion of um, God, was it the cage bump that Jericho took last uh, like two years ago now? I think it was. Oh yeah, um, I remember that. Uh, where like it was very clear at the end because he didn't quite get a setup right that he was falling on a crash pad. And like obviously, you know, if you think about it for a second, they're not going to have Chris Jericho shoot land on concrete or something, right? But mm-hmm. um, but you don't have to expose it, right? And uh, sometimes it just happens by accident, and that's just part of the deal, unfortunately. But you know, you should at least try to make it look, you know, as as real air quotes here as possible so i agree yeah. with you I, i'm i'm gonna send you my reply and then you can okay yeah let me take a go look back in there Pe- people just got real butthurt about it because of course it's tribalism and i hate it but at the end of the day it's like if wwe used the crash pad in the same way i would i would rip them new sh- into shreds for it the same way like that that jericho spot it sucked yeah. Yeah, it was the, not done well. The uh, the Omega spot where he did the one wing angel like fifty feet off the ground, like I didn't really have an issue with that being a crash pad because they at least had some kind of barrier over the top. Like it's a stadium stampede. The whole match was ridiculous. That's fine. Yeah. All right. I'm watching the spot now. Uh. Hmm. Well, it you know I guess the real thing you know for the live fans that's uh, that's not going to impress them if you see that the Seth Rollins spot at Fastlane. Mm -hmm. Um, I will say that if you can shoot that uh, on TV in a way that it doesn't look like that, then go for it. Obviously, Uh, now what's kind of funny is that's not that big of a bump. that's just now, now I'm all for being safe. I'm not complaining about it for that reason, but it's just like uh I'm not even sure that's the distance from like the top turnbuckle to the ground. Um so huh, interesting. Interesting that they used a crash pad for that. I mean, I'm all for safety, so I'm not gonna knock that too much. It's a question of if you can make it look good. Now was it was this a spot where they um they didn't show him land and they just showed the aftermath? I think so, but okay. my, I, my biggest uh, complaint here is this isn't 1980. This is mm-hmm. social media. Yeah, yeah. Somebody's gonna put out that you had a crash pad, and that's gonna yeah. that's gonna take away the magic of pro wrestling. And that I mean, I don't know. I, I kind of have mixed feelings on that in particular uh, because uh, I, I don't need to watch them do it like for the thirtieth time. Um, <clears throat> uh, you know the the counterpoint of that is like you know anything in wrestling can look exposed there you know we'll talk about orange cassidy here in a second i thought that match was good um but there is a spot uh ray phoenix did his little like hop up enzy on the apron but they shot it bad they shot at the absolute wrong angle and it was obvious that like his foot did not come within a foot of orange cassidy's head um but he still sold it big and um it was entirely because of the angle. If they shot it from the opposite angle, it would have looked completely fine. Uh, that's just part of wrestling production, sadly. Um, it's not obviously. It's not like what you want to see. It's not. Let's not bother trying to improve this. But you know, I just can't have like 
can't be up my feelings about it, I guess. Um, you know, they, they could have hid the mattress. <laughs> I, I hope it wasn't an actual mattress, uh, but whatever it was for that Seth Rollins spot better, and I wish they did, but I don't have a problem with them doing it. Yeah, uh, I hate it. I think it sucks, but I guess we'll just be on opposite sides of the island here. Yeah. Let's move on. Um, after this was that stupid. Oh, God. Okay, I got to talk about this. Stupid Adam Cole gimmick. Atrocious. What really? the fuck is Adam Cole mowing a, a lawn on television? And why is he doing it with a broken ankle? This... It's this is so absurd and stupid. I hate oh, this. Here's the thing is they didn't even put jokes in it. The humor was supposed to be him looking wacky. Like they'd zoom up on his face and whoa, he's making a crazy face. And hey, look, that's Matt Taven and he's got a stuffed giraffe. And and Roddy is is in a neck brace and isn't this all hilarious? And no, none of it's funny. It's not good. It's uh, so why are we zooming in on like zooming in on this shit in slow motion? And it's supposed to be funny. It's not good. It's not, there's no humor in this. You know, this is not funny stuff, and it's not entertaining. And I just don't understand it all. Um, I don't know who this is for. And I don't know, like, how this is supposed to add anything to the storyline. This, you know, we've, we've talked a lot of, and complained a lot about these pre-tapes. Um, and it's it's kind of damning to go from, uh, from this nonsense to MJF cutting a damn good babyface promo. And, uh, you know, just be like, why can't we have more of the latter and less of this? <sighs> Oof. Just. Um... It sucked. It sucked, man. Yeah. This was the worst of them. And I mean, I'm saying that as someone that didn't like a lot of them earlier. It this was just trash, outright trash, and uh, they need to cut the shit. <laughs> Listen to Jade to Cargill, it. cut the shit, Tony. Yeah, God, I hate this. Now let's move on to something I didn't hate. Um, yeah, Hangman Page versus Jay White. They have a great match in them. Oh, you skipped a lot there, buddy. Uh, uh, I, watched, watch? I watched Dynamite half asleep, so that was not it's, next. Okay. It's alright, it's all right, buddy. Uh, Orange Cassidy and Ray Phoenix, we kind of already covered it, uh, and obviously the title changes because Ray's hurt. Um, I thought this was an okay match. It just wasn't long enough to be anything of note. Um, and obviously the, the result is the big story. I feel like they really rushed, had to rush the uh, the Orange Cassidy gets his belt back storyline because of injuries um, with both Mox and Phoenix out. And uh, I don't know. I kind of wish that they hadn't rushed it, but, you know, circumstances change and sometimes you have to. But I do wonder if they could have just put it on someone else and uh, continued the, 
Orange Cassidy Chase because it felt like that was the big uh, story that they were building. Mm -hmm. Uh, What do you think? I'm very intrigued to see where this goes because I don't, in a vacuum, I don't like Orange Cassidy getting the title back. Um, I thought he should have been moved away from it. I thought, hey, it's time to move him up. Like the whole New Japan lose up scenario. Like Kenny Omega lost the junior title next night. He takes over Bullet Club, like that kind of thing. Uh, This was good, but I will say and give AEW credit, all three of these groups are feuding with each other. So Mox losing it to Phoenix was because of the injury. Phoenix dropping it to Orange Cassidy is probably because of his injury. And they're all feuding with each other, so they can all get back and – you can write the ship and put the belt on whoever you want for what's coming next. So they're at least making it work within the storyline. So I appreciate that, but yeah, man, orange Cassie winning it back. Just, it feels lazy, but I, I think that there's actually some thought behind it and there's an end game here. Yeah. And obviously plans have to change. So this stuff happens in wrestling. Um, it's not optimal, but then again, Ray Phoenix and John Moxley getting hurt within a month of each other isn't optimal either. So uh, we got the Tony Storm picture and picture thing, which we already talked about some. Uh, and then we had Mike, Matt Seidel go on the Wardlow Sacrificial Altar. Uh, I'm curious what they're going to do with Wardlow because I feel like they've hit the the point where like yeah you can do a couple more squashes because he's coming back but you got to do like something with them and you know yeah. I don't know what that is going to be. Yeah, um, I I agree completely. It's uh this is going to be interesting. Uh, I don't know what happens here. What what do you think happens? I don't know, man. Because honestly, um. I don't know. He lost so much momentum after his big face turn and then the TNT title run that was just kind of a mess. Um, I Do you think he should turn heel? I don't know what to do with him. What they're doing right now is what they should have been doing pretty much from the get-go. Like He's just going in there beating someone's ass and then leaving. This is yeah. Goldberg. This is the Goldberg playbook. Yeah. Oh, it's the Wardlow playbook they used for the longest time. Uh... <laughs> yeah, it's... I don't know. I think it's fine. We'll, we'll see where it goes from here. I just... I don't know if I care about Wardlow, but these squashes are fun as hell. They're fun as yeah, hell. Yeah, he's really good at squashes, so I'm not like complaining about the content. It's the, the direction that I'm kind of curious about. Um... Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and now I think we finally have that Hangman Page match, correct? Yes. Go off, Queen. Ah, this was good. Um, I liked how they they went back and forth. They built the matchup really nicely, and I, man, I really wish they would have hit that Yurinagi off the top rope. That would have looked so cool. Um, like. Ah, oh, but it's a uh, look. These guys work great together. They have a better match in them, and I think they're gonna next time they wrestle. It'll probably be for the world title. Yeah, I uh, 
I think it's great. Um, the, this was a fantastic match. These two work together really well. And uh, I went four and a half on this one as well as the Danielson Swerve one. Um, both were just really strong matches. And uh, I like this a lot. It was a, it was an, another fantastic match. Yeah. All right. I'm just going to have you tell me what's next because... Okay. Sleepy Tyler. Well, I, okay. I apparently... I apparently forget what was on the sh- what order the show was in. It's all right, man. It's all right. Uh, so okay, next up is MJF coming out after that match and uh, the promo with Jay White and Bullet Club Gold, and you know this uh, sets up their uh, title match, and also uh, next week's Dynamite will have the Diamond uh, Dynamite Dynamite Diamond. Diamond. Yeah, uh, gimmick. Uh, and uh, Juice is entering it and says he's going to win it and then take MJF's ring. And literally no one else mentioned the Battle Royal, so I have to assume that's going to be the storyline. Uh, but here's the real uh, the real story coming out of this. Is that um, a few weeks ago, MJF cut a promo about how when he was a kid, he was bullied by people. And... Uh, they would, uh, because he's Jewish, and they would throw quarters at him and tell him to pick it up, Jew boy. That's a direct quote from a promo he did on Dynamite a few weeks ago. And Juice Robinson has been doing a gimmick over the past few months where he will use a roll of quarters uh, to hit people because, you know, part of his gimmick is having big punches, and he uses that as a heel to cheat further with his punches. And uh, that's it. And so they decided to basically overlap them and um, Juice, after telling him that he was going to take his ring, he also uh, was going to give him something that you'll, quote, really like, which is he pulled out a roll of quarters uh, that he had written on Friedman. You know, not MJF, but Friedman. Um, a obvious and overt reference to uh, that promo and the anti-Semitism that MJF cited. Uh, also, this is the week that the, uh, the war between Israel and Hamas started, um, mm-hmm. which, uh, I think is terrible timing for AEW. Um, I think it was tremendously short-sighted to start this this week. Now, I'm not Jewish, uh, so I feel like my take here is of far less value than that of someone who is, um... But I'll just say that uh, I thought it was, if not over the line, it was right at the line and like unnecessarily edgy. And I think people in 2023 don't want heels that are bigoted. Like you could at one point in wrestling have a heel be a bigot and draw effective heat. I think now people just don't want to watch bigoted characters. Um, So I want to interject here. Fred, and I think all of this can be true. This story works very well within AEW's canon Mm -hmm. because it fit right in. Yeah, sure. It Juice Robinson came across somewhat anti-Semitic by doing so, even though the the feeling that I got watching this that wasn't the intention at all, but. Sometimes the intended action has an unintended consequence. Yeah. And three, it's I'm, I'm trying to figure out a way to say this. I I really didn't think 
that I, I completely lost my train of thought. But well, it, I, th- I think one thing that is, uh, I mean, it's not confirmed, but I would be shocked if it wasn't true. Um, it's pretty well oh, known. I remember they shouldn't have done it. Like, yeah. they, they should have had more sensitivity to the issue. And like you said, I also am not Jewish. So I, it's hard for me to come on here and say X, Y, or Z, but I think it works within the story because of how they've laid everything out. It, it all intertwines together. I don't think Juice meant to come off anti-Semitic, but the character definitely did, whether intent, like unintended consequences happen a lot. And they should have been more sensitive to what is going on in the world right now. And probably not done that. But that that's just my opinion. Yeah. Um, I will. I think this would have happened three weeks ago. I don't think anybody cares. Yeah, I think in two weeks, maybe no one cares, depending on what's going over in Israel. Um, but I, I will note that MJF is pretty well known to have a lot of control over his creative. Uh, Joe Lanz has gone so far as to call him the second most powerful guy in AEW behind Tony Khan. Um, and of course, MJF is Jewish. Um, I would be kind of shocked if this was not his idea. Um that said, that doesn't mean that it's a good idea. Um, so I'm not going to... I, I feel like this is a complicated situation where my voice isn't exactly the most valuable. Uh, I will say that I thought it was a uh, really poorly timed and poorly thought out, probably, and uh, shouldn't have been done, but... You know, you could argue that it's fine within the context of wrestling. I guess we'll see if there's going to be any pushback on it in the mainstream. Um, I think uh, I think Awful Announcing already has an article up about it. Uh, I don't know if it's going to get any bigger than that. Um, I don't know, man. I, I just, I don't know. Um That, that that's my take that's you know I, I probably i would not have done it um i don't feel qualified to really dig deeper into the conversation uh beyond that if people feel like you know it was acceptable um because of you know the storyline and everything you know that's their take um yeah so yeah um I think that's pretty much it. I, other than I will say um, kudos to friend of the show, Suit Williams, for bullying MJF into actually being MJF again. This yeah. felt like MJF, not cartoon bullshit. Yeah, I, that was going to be my focus of this whole discussion. Then we got the roll quarters and it was like, well, <laughs> we got something else to talk about. Uh, but I will say, you know, Suit Williams, if you didn't catch it on VoicesWrestling.com, wrote a really good article about how uh, this MJF stuff has not been working and it's kind of a, a bummer. It's a mess. Um, and uh, it was really good. And MJF himself got on Twitter and I don't know if he actually tweeted that suit at any point, uh, but he kind of addressed the underlying uh, the points of it, you know, and uh, you know, uh, went back and forth with uh, Alan Farrell who, uh, went off about it on Twitter, went off about MJF's uh, performances recently. And, uh, and MJF at some point was like, yeah, I need, I got to do better. 
and uh, this is better. <laughs> this is what MJF did on the show is exactly what we should have as a babyface MJF. And uh, back when I was talking before all in about how he could become the biggest babyface in wrestling, um, which I don't think came to fruition because of how they booked that storyline. Um, since you know, leading up to and then in the aftermath, um, I thought that uh, this is I thought that was a great main event segment from him, uh, really motivated, really hot, and uh, kudos. That that's why I voted MJF the number one guy thirty under thirty, um, and would do so again without a second thought. God, he was so good here, Fred. Yeah, he was so good. Fantastic promo. You couldn't ask for much better. And I, I want more of this, and I think we're going to get more of it, especially with Adam Cole. Well, other than these dopey pre-tapes, is away from the company right now. Whether that ankle is truly broken or not. Yeah, I think that's still a question here, Fred. Look, I will say that uh, if he if he didn't actually seriously hurt his ankle at all out uh, jumping off the stage, then no, it wasn't uh, all out. It was. Uh, oh, you're um, right. It's grand um, slam. Grand slam. Yeah. Then that was a fantastic sell job, and kudos to him. Um, I just, yeah, I. We, we could have had so much more of this and none of the nonsense. And uh, instead, we got all the nonsense and not enough of this. Yep. Um, next up, we had... Uh, anything else you want to talk on that, about on that? I mean... No. Um, unfortunate timing because I thought the roll of quarters thing was very well done. Yeah. Um, within the context of what the story is, because of how MJF said he was, he had quarters thrown at him, and the and Juice Robinson having already used rolls of quarters as a weapon for months, I thought the cohesiveness there is just just a a, a lack of awareness, unfortunately, um, yeah. marred what could have been a a really nice addition to the story. Um, yeah, I, I I think that's all all there is to say about it. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, after another Tony pre-tape, Tony Storm, uh, silent film. Uh, we had Hikari Shida and Soraya for the AW World Women's Championship, and um, we had a title change to Shida. I thought this match was fine. I uh, saw some people much higher on it than me, so I just thought this was like a two and a quarter star match because I don't think uh, this was a particularly great outing by Soraya. Um, but you know they did the the Ruby and Tony Storm gimmick on the outside before the first commercial and uh, had a pretty good sec uh, sequence down the stretch. Maybe I underrated this some, but. Uh, I thought that um, this was, like, you know, this was a good win for Shida, and you know, I, I'm glad the belt is on her. I gave it three and a quarter. I thought it was good. Um, I I thought, you know, Soraya it, overall is limited as far as bell to bell, and I thought they worked this really well to accentuate the positives and try and limit the negatives. I I didn't think this was great. It's not a match I'm ever going to try and go back and watch again, but I didn't waste my time. Yeah. And with a Soraya match in 2023, I think that's a major win. And yeah. 
this is fine. Um, the interference from Ruby was well done, and the, uh, especially Sheeta catching it the first time. Yeah, uh, I thought this was good. Um, good Sheeta's on the title, and somebody made the joke that Sheeta is now Charlotte Flair, and <laughs> I thought that was very funny. Break uh, glass in case of emergency. Glass contains a Sheeta women's title reign. Um, look, you can do far worse. You know, she's definitely a better worker at this point in time than Charlotte is. So, yes. Uh, unless Charlotte is just shoot beating someone up, <laughs> um, in which case mm-hmm. I'll give her that particular match. Uh, we did the Don Callis stealing uh, or borrowing Sammy Guevara's sign gimmick during the commercial. Um, some smart usage of PMP on the show. Uh, so kudos to them for that. Uh, mm-hmm. I'll repeat myself. I like the idea of Tony Storm doing silent films during the commercials. Just have them actually be entertaining, like actual films or something. I don't know, or at least approaching it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's plenty of public domain silent films you can rip off. Uh, we had uh, MJF backstage with Renee. Uh, he tries to call Adam Cole, but gets through for a little bit, and then the call drops. Um, and then, uh, you know, earlier in the show, the Bullet Club goal to challenge MGF to a four and four match if he could find three people to tolerate him. And who should come up with the acclaimed? And Max Caster offers to help him. Um, MGF is freaked out by him, walks off. Uh, and we finally get an explanation, uh, fully on the show where, you know, Billy Gunn's like, What is your deal, man, with MJF? And Caster says they, they go back 10 years. He thinks he's his friend. And uh, I oh, also know. Like- I, I missed this. Like, the, the friend. No, no more MJF friend bullshit, please. And I like it when he plays hard to get. Yeah, I really hope we don't get Max Caster uh, as the copy and paste over Adam Cole thing with him. Um, but... You know, if this was just like a three-week thing, you know, it could be all right. Uh, so uh, I will reserve judgment and hope it's not like an ad, you know, a evolution of the Burchacho line um, with just you know adding in the acclaimed. Uh, I will say that I have been pretty down on the acclaimed over the past three, four, six months because they've really fallen into just you know a very samey kind of match and act and everything, and uh, yeah, but. It's the main event, and uh, Tyler, would you like to discuss Christian Cage's promo right before the main event? God, he's the best wrestler in the world, man, um, other than Will Ospreay. <laughs> Christian Cage rules. This is great. Everything's cohesive. Everything has a purpose. Everything makes sense. It's and it's that, the best storyline in AEW by far. Oh, and he calls uh, like himself uh, Luchasaurus and Nick Wayne's daddy. Fuck that was yeah. such a great life. That's so great. <laughs> I'm not their leader. Oh. I'm their father. Christian Cage is, is so so good at professional wrestling. And, you know, he said something in the promo about how, you know, he's always been the more talented one. And is he wrong? <laughs> that may be uh, that may be true. I, I would say, you know, arguably. Uh, but yeah, like he, he buries Adam coming now when uh, and wanting to recreate the tag team when he did it a few years ago, and uh, back when uh, also back when uh, he was hot but not getting the push he deserved in WWE right before he went to TNA, and uh, and Edge was getting pushed to the moon. 
Um, and, and he said, you need me, I don't need you. But I know your wife, Beth, is a huge fan. Beth put some clean sheets on the bed. Your new father is coming home. Oh my God. What a guy. It's so, so good. Um, promo of the year. He, he's the promo of the year. Um, put him in the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame right now. Just no votes. Just like, no votes. Just too good. It. Too good. This is This is great stuff. And he tied everything so well into um, Copeland's promo from last week. And then um, all of a sudden at the end of the promo, you get, you think you know him. And then the music starts and Copeland just runs down the ring and stands toe to toe with Luchasaurus. Nick Wayne grabs his leg and then uh, Luchasaurus kind of takes advantage and goes after the neck. And then we get the match, which I'll be honest. I thought this was good. Um, I didn't think it was great. Mm-hmm. I thought like three and three quarters. I went three and a quarter. Uh, you know, I thought it was solid. I mean, it was uh, it was a little long. Yeah, it was a little long. But Adam Copeland did some fantastic selling in this match. I will one hundred percent give him credit. I think the selling is not the problem. I think his offense may not be the most dynamic at some points. Uh, he did have some very cool spots. It's the stuff in between with him that I. Uh, Thought was kind of lacking, and uh, Luchasaurus is um, a fine bully big man, you know, kind of deal. Um, yeah, but I thought this was good, and then I really loved the segment after the main event. So you've got um, the heels beating down Adam Copeland. Brian Danielson comes out for the save, gets beat down. So that brings out Christian Cage and Wheeler Yuta to even it up, but then the Mogul Embassy comes out, and then we get Hangman Adam Page. Because storylines come together sometimes in AEW. And uh, you know what this reminded me of? Those old um brawls on like SmackDown from like yeah. 99, 2000 that ended the show. Like, oh, yeah, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yeah. Like kind of gimmick. And this worked really well. It was cohesive. AW's had done quite a few of these end of show brawls, but we haven't had one in a long time. And I thought, like you said. This worked very, very, very well. Yeah, I thought it was a blast. Uh, great way to end the show. And uh, yeah, great stuff. Um, I thought this is, you know, I went 7 out of 10 on the show. Um, uh, I think the the Adam Cole segment literally knocked it point off for me. Um, but yeah, good, good show. And I thought a good representation uh, for AEW in this uh, competition, you know. Overall, this was, I think this was a great show. And the Copeland match and Brawl went head to head with Braun Breaker looking at Undertaker and then getting beaten up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't fathom why you would have the Undertaker kill someone that's supposed to be a top star for you. Uh, Unless when, they're going to have a match. Undertaker ain't having a match with no, Braun. It's not, exactly. So that's like why you use Undertaker in the spot. Like if it's, you know, John Cena and you had plans for six months from now. Okay, I get it. You know, I probably wouldn't have that be the thing you remember for three months, but I get it. Um, yeah, it's just odd. Um, frankly, uh, yeah, just kind of weird. Yeah, very stupid, but that's NXT for you. Yep. Brad, that's our show. Yeah. Um, 
again, happy overall with it. Um, I'm happy. Yeah, I'm curious what the ratings will be, but I'm glad that I don't have to do the discourse for a week. <laughs> That's a nice bullet to dodge because it's just going to get real stupid. Uh, because people apparently the way to make wrestling nerds mad in 2023 is just uh, put a couple numbers after a zero point and uh, just let them go off. Um, I will. I will say if AEW wins, it's going to be a huge victory because everything's oh going against them. Uh, especially yeah. the biggest thing going against them is moving dates. That almost yeah. always tanks a number. That and also, you know, I wrote an article, cheap plug for Voices of Wrestling, uh, entitled WWE may have overplayed a winning hand in the 2023 Tuesday Night War. And basically, they should have just gone into this and won, is my take, without reading the, the ratings, uh, because they were hotter than AEW. AEW has felt kind of cold. Less so on the TV ratings than attendance, but still, like, they're not gangbusters right now. Um, and, um, yeah, like, it's just, they should have pretty easily won this. But they then they went and they were like, no, we are going to win this. And we're going to win it by rolling out literally every star we have access to, essentially, except for Roman Reigns. So they bring all these big names in and they set themselves up in a position where if they don't easily win this, if it's even kind of close, they're going to have some amount of egg on their face because yeah. they, they were like, we got to bring in John Cena and the undertaker and Paul Heyman and so on and so forth. And uh, it's like, I don't know that you really needed all these people. And, you know, there's diminishing returns at some point And, if if you do, if you win by like 0.01, despite all those big names, and that's an AEW being off their night. I mean, frankly, that's kind of a win for AEW, really. Big time, yeah. and we'll see what, how the ratings drop. And I'm excited to see it. We'll talk about it a little next week. Until then, um, thank you very much for listening. If you are listening on the Voice of Wrestling podcast feed, please feel free to jump over and subscribe to our solo feed to help us continue to grow the show. We have been number one in Turkey multiple weeks over the course of the last year, and we would like to keep it that way along with uh, potentially growing in other areas. And we would love to be able to share this show worldwide. Thank you for listening. I'm Tyler. He's Fred. Take care. Have a good one, everyone. Hello, Voices of Wrestling listener. Dave Ryan here. Have you ever wondered to yourself, how many hidden gems are hidden away inside the last years of World Championship Wrestling? Have you ever asked yourself how many tenuous gags can be made about the name Mike Enos? And have you ever thought about what it sounds like for two Irishmen to interpret a very chaotic company through its B-show? The answers to all this and more are just a click away. Check out Days of Thunder every second Thursday on the Voices of Wrestling podcast network.